Oh, welcome back into another fantastic edition of the official 615 podcast brought to you by our good friends at Wilson County Hyundai. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Payne Bone and his staff there do a great job of getting you in the perfect car. Again, wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Greg Pogue, we're back again. Last week, Brad Willis, and this week, my goodness, I mean, it just gets better and better and better. First, I want to thank uh, the folks here at Kitchen Notes, Omni Nashville Hotel, Music City Todd Rotermel for just rolling out the uh, carpet for us and feeding us these great biscuits and honey and all that stuff. So I want to thank them. Yeah, our guest uh, today is the – I, I, I want his job. I'll just tell you this right now. But at the end of this, about this, he is the general manager of the Ryman Auditorium, Gary Levy. Hello, Gary. Hello, gentlemen. How are y'all doing today? Uh, do you have any job openings over there? Uh, I mean the, – We always have some jobs. The openings. mother church. And you're the general manager of the mother church. I don't think you would, anybody would take that lightly. It, it's it's a great uh, honor. It, it's a great building. Uh, it, it transcends so many uh, pop culture uh, elements that that we've all grown up with, and and it's just it's a fabulous place. You know, running down the list of all the acts you get there, and people are like, oh, that's country, but you get so much more than that. You had uh, a few years ago. I don't know before you came. You had it was the. Uh, dancers from some TV show that you could dance, and then you had American Idol people coming throughout the years. So it's just much more than a country music building. Right. We're known as the Mother Church of Country Music, but we even hesitate at times to use that term because the diversity of everything that goes on at the Ryman, uh, it's from oldies to um, contemporary country to comedy. We were part of the Nashville Comedy Festival every year. Uh, we've had hip hop. We had Wu Tang Clan on their reunion tour, which uh, was fantastic. Uh, we had Lizzo play at the Ryman, which to this day is uh, my jaw still dropped watching that. Uh, to some of the you know all time great country acts with like Garth Brooks coming in for two nights just uh, this past November. Um, my first week there, I actually had the opportunity to do. Uh, concerts with George Jones and Merle Haggard within the same week. Wow. Um, Paul Simon, Ringo Starr. Um, we've actually had uh, over a hundred uh, people who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame actually perform from our stage. So uh, the diversity is, is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. And then we've had some cool speakers, too. We, uh, one of my favorite things that I ever saw there was uh, Stephen King actually came and did a lecture there. So, you know, we, we've done some authors and things like that, too. So While you were going through that, I was going through all the, <laughs> the shows I've seen there. And, 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 I mean, long James Brown blew me away the godfather of soul was there you're talking about the diversity yep. of it uh, james brown bb king yeah and then bb king performing with buddy guy uh carlos santana was van morrison i'm now this is about my shows <laughs> yes. that I've, I've seen there but i bet people come up all the time and reminisce oh I see, when they find out what you do i bet they run down all the shows they've been to and they always tell me what pew they said <laughs> It, it's amazing. They can always remember exactly where they sat. I was in section three, row E, seat four. I'm like, yeah, that's a good seat. But they're all good seats there. Or John, I say the the vast majority of them. John Prine. John oh, Prine. Yes, we Lord. would do yeah. multiple Greg, you shows. Get your uh, what what happened at Santana? Somebody wouldn't sit down in front of you. Yeah, I guess that's part of all of it, right? And they with that's the, the and, concert and, life. And, yeah, and then recording on their phone, and you know, and I'm going. 
Uh-uh. Greg's not happy yeah. with that. No, no, no. Pay attention to the music. Put the phone yes. down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's simple, simple stuff. Um, there's plenty of videos out there. You don't need to make your own. <laughs> YouTube uh, is full of them. Yes. Um, just, is it haunted? I know I'm going all over the map here. I mean, you hear the stories of the of Hank, obviously Hank Sr. You know, the, the, the gray ghost is always the big one. Uh, supposedly walks through the balcony. Well, I'll, I'll give a, a little teaser. We, we started about four years ago. I think we just finished our fourth year. We do a haunted history. Mm -hmm. We try to do it in October. Um, I have, you know, I, I've been in the Ryman all times of the night. I've never seen anything, but there are many of our employees who have sworn that they have seen strange things or heard strange things there. And I'm not a doubter or a denier. I'll believe anything. So if people believe it's haunted, hey, makes for a great story. (laughs) I was actually in a movie Filmed at the Ryman back in the 80s. I was in Sweet Dreams, the Patrick yeah. Klein story with... Uh, Jessica Lang played uh, Patrick yes. Klein, yep. And uh, it was during that time, I was second to the stage. I had no idea what the Ryman was, but we had like 20 of us from high school. We came, we were extras in the movie that day. But just sitting there and a, a sweet older lady explained the history of the Ryman. And I've never seen 20 big football guys just sit here and like, Oh, are you going to be kidding me? All this, the history she told us. And it was an amazing thing. And the fact that that place they thought about maybe getting rid of it just blows my mind, but this was the mid eighties. Right. So there's just so much history there of all kinds of things. Like Greg, we're all over the map here. We don't know where to start with this, but but it just, the diversity of having the shows there and what we did and what we saw, uh, it's great. And it's still around. Right, and, and this May we'll we'll start the celebration of our 130th anniversary, which makes us one of the uh, oldest uh, still active performing venues. And that's that's the other uh, great thing is we're still making history every day. Right, is every time we have a show in, more history is created. It, it, it's it's fantastic that way. But our history does go back 130 years. Started back in 1892. Um, in that year, the Fist Jubilee Singers performed at the Ryman, and they're still to this day performing at the Ryman. They come back almost every year to perform. Uh, when you look at some of the the great uh, pop culture people from the you know early part of that century, uh, including politicians, sports stars, um, artists, um, you know, we've had Harry Houdini perform at the Ryman, Charlie Chaplin perform at the Ryman, uh, Jackie Robinson. Uh, did a uh, lecture at the Ryman um, back in the 1950s. So it, it's um, Martin Luther King has spoken at the Ryman. So Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, you can just go on and on. I mean, I'm sitting here, and y'all don't know where to start. I mean, it just it, it keeps flowing back to me, all the different names and, and the different people that we've had uh, come through the Ryman. And and it, it's, it's very exciting because we still learn um, our history as we go along uh, – for instance, for a long time, uh, up until just about a couple years ago, we we had thought that the lecture that Martin Luther King was supposed to do had been canceled at the Ryman. And then a couple years ago, our historian, um, he found the newspaper reports from the Tennessean that Martin Luther King, actually, that did not get canceled. So we do have, wow. you know, actual um, information that he did do a speech uh, at the Ryman Auditorium. So, What does it say? Back in June, I saw, the I think, the funniest comedian, Sebastian Maniscalco, open his tour, the major part of his tour, at the Ryman. And he filmed a video 
uh, I'm just walking out there, and he's like, my God, the Ryman. And he was speechless after that. And I'm thinking, I know that feeling. What does it say when a comedian who is that large in stature starts off? Because he's selling out arenas, and he's at the Ryman Auditorium. To me, I thought that was fascinating and so very cool. It's, you know, it is. It's always great to see um, the artist and their reverence for the building. And it's ones you wouldn't expect. I mentioned Wu-Tang Clan earlier. You know, they came on stage, and this totally blew me away. They could not stop talking about how honored they felt to be playing at the Ryman. And, you know, no one would ever associate Wu-Tang right. Clan with the Ryman. <laughs> but but they couldn't stop talking about it. We We just had a group that um, uh, an artist on Saturday named Youngblood, and he's 24 years old. He is, um, uh, his, his, his fan base is really that 16 to 20 year old group, sold out crowd. They were rocking it, and he just couldn't stop talking about how honored he was oh. to be at the Ryman. So, you, you know, we're hitting it from, from all ages. And then you get those opportunities to see those magical moments, right? Like uh, Tony Bennett coming to play at the Ryman. So you, you hit just every spectrum of, of, of everything that can go on there. It, you just never know what's going to happen there. And I think that's part of the the magic of everything that, that happens there. It's, it is a magical place. It's magical for the artists as well as the patrons who come to watch them. So, Listening to the official 615 podcast, our guest today, Gary Levy, general manager of the Ryman Auditorium. I guess a good place to start would be maybe at the beginning, a riverboat captain, right? And uh, it was originally a tabernacle, correct? That's right, the Union Gospel Tabernacle. Um, it was um, really two men are responsible for the Ryman Auditorium, and that was uh, the riverboat captain, Captain Tom Ryman, who was the uh, most successful businessman in Nashville at the time, really uh, started making his fortune during the, the Civil War, trading with both sides. Um, and then uh, Sam Jones, who was a tent revivalist preacher who would travel throughout the South and, and would set up his tents in different cities. And Tom Jones, uh, sorry, Tom Jones, I was thinking about another great actor, the Ryman. Uh, <laughs> Which was fantastic. We can talk about that one later, too. Tom Ryman came um, to see one of Sam Jones' uh, tent revivalist uh, gatherings, and they say he was almost born again that day, and they became uh, fast friends. And Tom Ryman decided that Sam Jones and the tent revivalist didn't need a place. Uh, they didn't need tents anymore to, to be preaching in that they needed a permanent structure. So he helped finance the building of the Union Gospel Tabernacle. Um, and then when he passed away a few years after it was opened, it was Sam Jones uh, uh, at his funeral who brought up renaming the Union Gospel Tabernacle, the Ryman Auditorium in his honor. So, The Grand Ole Opry, obviously the connection there, WSM, We Shield Millions. Yep. That started in the what late twenties? Yeah, nineteen twenty-five is when mm -hmm. the Grand Ole. Oh, this is off started. the top of my head, by the way. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> um, and then uh, the Ryman Auditorium. Uh, I always say a lot of people say it's the first home of the Opry, which it wasn't. It's actually the fifth home of the Grand Ole Opry, but it was uh, the home of the Grand Ole Opry during the golden age of country mm -hmm. music. So 
um, you know, coming from the the stage, it's, it's where Johnny Cash met June Carter, right? It's it's where Dolly Parton was introduced to the world. Loretta Lynn um, was introduced to the world. All these great artists, Roy Acuff and Minnie Pearl and Ernest Tubb and Marty Robbins, uh, Porter Wagner. You know, he's the one who really uh, brought Dolly Parton to the forefront. I'll give you I'll give you an early one. Uncle Dave Macon. Uncle Dave Macon was one of the first stars of, mm-hmm. of the Grand Ole Opry. Um, and yes, he he was performing there into the 40s. Um, and so was his son. So it it it, it uh, became the really the cultural mecca for country music, and it became the accepted place that people needed to go um to make it in country music. They needed to come to Nashville to be on the Opry so WSM could project their voice out because WSM was one of the five most powerful radio towers in the nation at the mm. time. So yeah, it was still is 50,000 watt so, clear channel. Yeah. So I believe the stat I heard it at one time, it could be heard in parts of 38 different states. Yeah. So uh, it, if you really wanted to get your name out there, um, because there were a lot of these radio programs going on and a lot of this country yeah. swing. Well, the Louisiana Hayride. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but WSM was the one that could get people's voice out there the most. And then so the Ryman became then the home for the Grand Ole Opry from 43 to 374. Then in uh, 1956, a young man from Memphis came over. <laughs> and I, I just love the story because uh, there's so many urban co- or myths with this. Like he was thrown out of the of the rhyme and told never to come back. Uh, what is the real story there? So uh, there was a biopic made on Elvis um, back in the 80s. And, and it was actually the scene was filmed at the Ryman. And it, it portrays the story of um, he did uh, Blue Moon of Kentucky, uh, which was um, one of Bill Monroe's classic songs. And he kind of rock, he, he did his rockabilly version of it. And, and he got, they say, a pretty lukewarm reception. And, and the story, the legend goes, he came off the stage and the manager of, of the Opry at the time asked Elvis, he says, well, son, what else do you do. And he goes, well, I'm a truck driver. And he says, well, I wouldn't quit your day job. And <laughs> they say Elvis was so infuriated that he swore he would never play the Ryman again. And he never did play the Ryman again. 1956 was the only time he did play the Ryman. But we do know that that story is not very factual. Elvis's career in 1956 was starting to take this just huge arc. And he was really veering away from his country roots in a lot of ways. He had these country and gospel roots and he was starting to veer away to the, you know, really this birth of rock and roll. Uh, But he did stay friends with a lot of the, Opry members and would come back on occasion to visit them backstage. Well, so R- RCA Studio B, you know, how many yep. hits do you know, Probably more there than than Sun it, it, records. Yes. yes. And, and so, you know, it is kind of a myth and it's a, a myth that people like to tell about Elvis, mm-hmm. but he just kind of he veered away from the country music side of it, so it didn't really make sense for him to be on It the worked out okay. I think he had an okay <laughs> yeah. career. Uh-huh. But sneaking, uh, <laughs> there's also the legends of uh, uh, sneaking into Tootsies or some of the honky-tonks between sets or and, and 
feeling a lot better or different when they got back on stage. Well, well yeah, the, the, the story goes that from the Ryman backstage or the artist entrance, it was 37 steps down to Tootsie's and 74 steps back <laughs> is, is, is the story that they always tell. And, and honestly, before it was Tootsie's, it was a place called Mother's. Um, and, and that's where a lot of the people, there was very little backstage area at the rhyme it's still not huge as far as backstage goes but there's very little backstage area so a lot of the artists between sets or as they were waiting would go hang out in the honky tonks uh, Roy Acuff actually had a room over one of the honky tonks and that's where he would take his guests just because it was space um, but yeah they would go over there a lot of you know uh, Willie Nelson wrote a lot of good songs over there for a lot of the, the artists uh, when he was a member of the Opry. Um, so there is a strong connection between uh, Lower Broadway and the Honky Tonks and the Ryman Auditorium. And there still is to this day. I, I, you know, I remember this was um, probably 10, 11 years ago. They, um, CMT did this crossover series. Um, I, I think they still might do it, but it was... Um, they did uh, Kenny Chesney and Steve Miller together. Mm -hmm. And literally after they finished filming, they went over to one of the honky-tonks. I think it might have been Tootsie's. It might have been Legends. One of those. And actually paid the house band to get out. And, um, <laughs> and so all of a sudden you had Steve Miller and Kenny Chesney <laughs> playing on the stage of a honky-tonk on a random Thursday night. And, you know, anybody who wandered in probably got the shock of their life. So. Fantastic. You're listening to the official 615 podcast brought to you by good friends at Wilson County Hyundai. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. You see so many Hyundais around Middle Tennessee. It's because of Wilson County Hyundai and the great prices. So, again, check them out online, wilsoncountyhyundai.com. I am curious, Gary, how one becomes the general manager of the Ryman Auditorium. <laughs> Let me start taking my notes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's been a quite a path for me. I uh, started, um, I, I thought I was always going to work in sports. That's what I went to school for. I went to school for sports management. Um, was in Blacksburg, Virginia, where I, I went to school at Virginia Tech. The winters are very cold in the the mountains there and decided I wanted to do something different. So I headed down to Florida and worked on cruise ships for uh, about four years and then decided I needed to get a real job and decided <laughs> I wanted to get back into sports. So I eventually went and worked for the Florida Marlins. Um, and it was, again, it was a strange journey because most of it was just luck pure dumb luck. I, I um, worked for the Marlins for nine and a half years, was very happy in South Florida. Then I had a child. And as much as my wife and I love South Florida, we did not know that um, if South Florida was the place we wanted to raise our daughter. So I started looking, uh, came across a job at the Ryman, just kind of looking around. I applied for it. And three months later, um, I was director of stadium ops for, for the uh, Florida Marlins at the time. And they asked, um, I got a call, says, hey, there, are you still interested in this position to rhyme? And it was pretty much to run the facility at the rhyme and um, kind of be the number two there. And I said, you know, I'll take a look at it. I really didn't know much about it at the time. Um, and flew up and, and literally had the job offer by the time I landed back in South Florida that night. 
uh, had a quick conversation with my wife. We came up here, and then I've just kind of worked my way up since then. I, I, I've been persistent enough where I've outlasted a lot of people. <laughs> what, <laughs> what year are we looking at here? So 2008 is when I came, mm -hmm. um, and then I've been general manager since 2017, 18, somewhere in there. Was that your goal? Did you want to be GM, or were you happy in your other role? I'm, I'm an ambitious person. I mean, I, I, I feel that professionally, I always want to grow. And it was, um, I, I learned from some really, really good people. Uh, Sally Williams, who is still in the music industry in town, uh, came in right after I got there to be the general manager. And she did so many great things at the Ryman Auditorium. Um, and so I learned a lot from her. Uh, I have a great director of concerts who books all these shows, so that's made my my job a little bit easier. But yeah, I, you know, I always want to grow in in my career. So um, sitting still is not for me. So. Well, being part of the Opry Entertainment Group, that's a, that's a big umbrella. Yes. So yeah, it's uh, Opry Entertainment Group. It includes the the Opry House, the Opry Show, which is the longest uh, running radio program in, in history since 1925, as we talked about. Uh, WSM, which we talked about. We also um, run restaurants. Old Red, right down here on Lower Broadway. Um, there's several Old Reds now. I think we're getting ready to open up our fifth one. I should know that probably <laughs> off the top of my head. But, yeah, they're getting ready to open one up in, uh, uh, at the airport. But we have one down in Orlando. We have one in Tishomingo. Uh, we have the one here. Uh, we have one in Gatlinburg. And um, we looks like we'll have one in Vegas, too, coming up. And so they're looking at, at growing that brand. Um, and then um, we uh, it, it's been announced that, you know, our company is also – acquiring um, Moody Theater ACL Live in Austin, Texas, which is also one of the most respected venues, uh, about our size, but uh, very respected venue in Austin. So, Austin's a good town. It, it's it's yeah. a very cool city. So the, uh, the expansion of the Ryman with the entrance, uh, I guess that's what the fifth, the fourth Avenue side, yep. and the restaurant, the bar, just a, a whole event space, if you will. Yeah, so in 2014, we decided that um, we were going to expand out some. As, as we were growing uh, and doing more, when I came in in 2008, we, we did about 84 just true concerts. I didn't count Opry shows or anything. You know, this year we'll do over 250 concerts. <laughs> so we, we've been, you know, just massively growing. Um but uh, it, it is great. Uh, you know, Colin Reed, and who's the CEO of our company, has always been very dedicated in, in um, taking care of the Ryman and all the properties w within our group. Um, but uh, Colin Reed, along with the OEG management at the time, decided, hey, we need to, it, it's time to, to um, expand and, and bring some, uh, you know, some enhancements in. So in, in 2014, 2015, we did push out the, the front of the rhyme and expand the box office, expand our gift shop, redid all of our concession stands um, to really modernize those. We um, add the coolest thing we probably did though is we added a hundred person theater that everyone who tours the rhyme and they go through and watch an 11 minute uh, movie 
on the the rhyme and it's really done in a creative way done by a company called brc out of california that that we've done different projects with and they've even done one for the opry house since then but it's we call it like two and a half d it's a, a multimedia type uh, movie it tells the history in a really cool way so we created that space um and, and so yeah we we're always looking at expansion um and what areas we can our, our plot of land is only so big and and we don't want to do anything that will ever take away from the historical uh look and feel of the rhyme in itself so uh but we're always looking on how we can make things better there okay you had dwight yokum had three nights a few weeks ago you got the beach boys coming up you got america that's coming up uh, is there a moment where you as a fan just slide in the back row in the very top and just are you able to take it all in? So everybody always, that's one of the questions that I'm asked the most. What's your favorite show at the Rhyme? <laughs> or, or what show did you watch? And I always say, I see about three minutes of every show. <laughs> and usually it's it's walking through as I'm walking backstage or going to meet the tour manager or, or what have you. Uh, probably a great moment for me, though, and one I just sat and watched was uh, when we had Paul Simon in. I grew up a oh. huge Simon and Garfunkel fan, loved Paul Simon's uh, solo career. So I really did kind of sit back and just take in Paul Simon. Um, when, But there have been some other moments like Dolly Parton, you know, watching Dolly Parton at the Ryman, you got to take a few minutes and just watch. Um, and, and even some of those moments is like my wife and I, it's like our, at the time our 10-year-old our daughter needs to come see this too because these are opportunities that she won't have you know, very often, um, you know, some of the ones that are fun for me though, is, is, um, like when Garth, uh, came and did his two nights, um, during the show, I was really working and, and, and doing a lot of the contractual things, but I actually went and just kind of sit on the side of the stage and watched the sound <laughs> check. So it's almost like I'm getting a personal concert. Yeah. So that, that's really kind of fun. And, I, and I saw, I'd not been to, and this is terrible. Don't get mad at me. I'd, I never went to the Ryman until a few years ago. I saw a Dennis Miller concert when the comedy festivals. And then, uh, Greg helped me, uh, told me one night that lover boy was going to be yeah. there. And I went and saw lover boy and I, I tell you, Gary, that was one of the best moments of my life because I got hammered drunk. I'm on the fourth row. I'm at the Ryman, and they wouldn't stop playing. And it was just a fascinating moment being there uh, to see it all and being the Ryman and then turn around to look up and see that just feel like you're back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s and everything. It was a special moment. Yeah. I, you know, I think part of it is the intimacy the intimacy of the Ryman, it really almost feels like you're watching an artist in your family room, right? Yeah. You're so close to well, them. And you're sitting in church pews. Yes, yes, those very comfortable wooden <laughs> church pews. You know people who come a lot because they bring their own seat cushions. So, um, but it, it, the intimacy is something that is just really, it just blows me away. And when I actually, I'll do private tours every once in a while, you know, I'll get a call to, to do a private tour for somebody. And when you walk them on stage and they stand on the front of the stage, they go, oh, I can't, I'm literally standing on top of people. I mean, they're, they're so close to the seats. So um, it really is just cool. Um, I, I also, I know what you're saying, kind of envisioning back to the 50s. Uh, when Old Crow Medicine Show does their New Year's Eve show there and they start doing Wagon Wheel, it always gives me that 
50s and 65 how the people are into it and they're standing up and they're singing and you you just see this this you know building that's 130 years old that's just come to life so and believe me i wore him out on our radio show (laughs) that we did daily that he had never been to the ryman yeah that is a crime and then but you know and i'm surprised he didn't say well greg knows what that 50s feels like because he he was there well greg Uh, had had a connection with uh, the nelson the twins and he knew some of their PR people, right. and he said, "Hey, they're open for Loverboy." I'm like, "I am going." And it was fantastic. <laughs> you you talk about just different things you're doing. The Johnny and June pop up exhibit, those kind of things you can do, right? Yeah, and and we had a partnership with the uh, Johnny Cash Museum, mm-hmm. which which was great. And we're always looking for those opportunities. Uh, again, I. I can't really share them yet, but I think we have some exciting things we're working on that really go with our daytime exhibit to really show the diversity of music that we don't mind breaking the, that story. <laughs> Y'all just you. have to have me back. <laughs> yeah, deal. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, and and that's it. We we are a cultural center, and and mm-hmm. and we want to kind of make sure everybody understands everything that's gone on there. Um, and we we're also changing out our exhibits. We we have a, a really good rock and roll exhibit there right now, uh, which we hope to expand on. You know, we talk about the the golden age of the Opry from '43 to to '74. Uh, I, I tell you, one of the most photographed things in the entire building, though, on the tour, is at the very end of the tour. As people, you know, you get. The great thing about the tour is you get to come in. Uh, most people get a picture on stage. There's every once in a while we can't do it on stage, but you know the photos included with the tour, so you actually get a souvenir from the Ryman. But at the very end of the tour, we have this big wall graphic with just hundreds and hundreds of names of everyone who's played there, and people will look at it, and almost everyone takes a picture in front of it. And it really kind of shows you the amount of people and the diversity of people, and from Bruce Springsteen. Uh, you know, to, you know, young blood, you know, the 24 year old we, we just had on um, it, it, it really just is kind of amazing to see. One, one thing we do need to touch on that we haven't is that thing 30 years ago was about torn down uh, and it had fell, fallen into disrepair. Yes. And what a tragedy that would have been. Yeah. When, when the, Opry left in 1974. There were some studies, and you know, we have the newspaper clippings, and a lot of the experts said that the Ryman wasn't worth saving. And and really, as as downtown Nashville kind of, you know, as a lot of cities back in the 70s and 80s happened with with urban blight and, and you know, just urban decay. You know, the Ryman was suffering through that. It, it never really closed. In a way, though, they were almost always doing tours there. You could pay a couple bucks, go in. You could wander around the back of the rhyme, and there were some display cases, a small little gift shop. You could wander up on stage. You couldn't go in the balcony, though. The balcony um, was in such disrepair, they didn't let anybody go up there. There were (laughs) windows were broken out. There were pigeons living in there. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, Gaylord Entertainment decided uh, in the late 80s that it was worth saving, and that's when they started uh, really looking at it. And And a lot of people put uh, a lot of credit on the concert that Emmy Lou Harris did. And, and We were talking about Emmy yep. Lou, Sam Bush, yep. the Nashville Ramblers. The Nashville Ramblers, mm-hmm. yeah. Bill Monroe was on the show. They, they were able to do an invited guest list of 300 each night that sat in what we call the gold circle, those pews closest to the stage. And, and uh, it really kind of brought the importance back, I think, to the artist community 
of what the Ryman uh, was and what it should be. And so a movement started, and, and um, luckily it wasn't torn down. But they were looking at using bricks to build a church, you know. And, uh, yes, it was very close to being torn down. We're just very fortunate it wasn't. I do not know that story. Uh, that's I learned something on the podcast. I had no idea that there was a concert to yeah, it, directly. It, the Grammy it was turned into a Grammy award winning yes. album. Yes. Mm-hmm. Huh? Which I, you can buy in our gift shop. Gary, <laughs> like <laughs> let me ask you, who was one act you would love to see at the Ryman? <laughs> uh, there's, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. There, there's, uh, most of them have come through, you know, that there are, you know, there, there's, I think, always going to be those fantasy picks. I'm, I'm kind of a Jimmy Buffett fan. I think Jimmy Buffett playing at the Ryman would be, you know, fantastic. Um, you know, get an artist like Paul McCartney and Billy Joel, some of those really iconic names who just um, didn't have the chance. A lot of them, because if you think about it, their careers were so big during the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. That's when the Ryman was closed. So, you know, um, the um, George Strait, I'd love to get George Strait. Now, George Strait's been there for some, uh, um, he did a song there for a UMG event and, and some other things, but to see a full concert by George Strait would be fantastic. Um, but, you know, a lot of times it's it's the artists who come back regularly are, are as important as the ones who are on your wish list and make sure that they keep coming back. The... Jason Isbell's, the Amy Grant and Vince Gill, um, you know, residency, which that started, I think, if I remember correctly, as a, you know, they decided to do two shows, two Christmas shows. Now that's grown into 12 Christmas shows and really anchors our our December time, you know, talking about um, Old Crow Medicine Show every New Year's Eve has become a tradition. So we're we're always looking at... um, it's always amazing when we do have acts that come in who've never played there before, especially some of the, the more, um, you know, the uh, historical or, you know, the oldies types to get them finally. in. It, it's really fun. So if you could take yourself back in time and sit in the front row at Ryman, what act person, male, female, would you like to see throughout history? Well, I think we <laughs> kind of mentioned them. I think Elvis doing an Elvis show at the Ryman would have just been unbelievable. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I, I just think that the type of venue that the Ryman is, I, I think it's a little, you know, we, we, we have a saying, all are welcome, right? And, and I think we truly embrace that. So I try not to get wrapped up into and. and I talk about this with our director of concerts all the time is it's not necessarily just what we want to see. It's bringing that variety in that everyone wants to see and and make sure that all are welcome and and that, you know, yes, you have your favorites. I have my favorites. I've luckily seen a lot of my favorites at the Ryman, but to keep introducing some of the newer acts, you know, um, to see some of the new country acts when they come in um, because it has such reverence to them. Uh, that That's fantastic to see. Um, and so I don't try to get too wrapped up into what I want to see. I, I just want the rhyming to be the rhyming and to be as successful Good as answer. possible. Good answer. Gary, thank you. 
Oh, this has been a pleasure. Fastest 34 minutes and 31 <laughs> yeah, seconds in life. With this, we get a seat at the Ryman right there <laughs> right there uh, on the bench with uh, Roy Acuff and Minnie Pearl. You can right? sit in their laps. Uh, okay. Now, that will be very uncomfortable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we, we've already been blocked from the list, so <laughs> let's try there. Gary, I, pre- I know you're busy. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you all, and again, um, you all are always welcome. Thank you so much. All right, Greg, another great uh, podcast. What a fun. No, we, we, you, we can go another hour and a half if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm rolling through my brain right. all the people <laughs> that I've seen there, you know. But oh, it, anyway, yeah, right. again, Kitchen Notes, Omni Nashville Hotel. Thanks to Todd Rotermel and everybody down here taking care of us. Yeah, again, you're listening to the official 615 podcast brought to you by good friends at Wilson County Hyundai. We'll see you guys next week. And, Greg, happy birthday. See you well, guys next you. week. Thank you, Joe.